Welcome back to Graveyard Shift. I'm Frankie Campbelletti, your host, and without me today is Jeremy David King. Jeremy David King is in Pythian, back at Springfield, trying to find Mr. Boots, Mr. Boots, those idiots. Um, so he's down there doing a ghost investigation with, um, <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and with me instead, and my co-host today, my guest star, okay, we've been doing an investigation out here in Hannibal, Missouri, but we took a little break from our investigation that we're doing in Hannibal, and we decided to visit the um, Hannibal Haunted Church. And so the expert on that, um, I would say, is Chris Ketters. You're putting a bunch of stuff in here that, that I, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who else I would talk expert? to. Uh, uh, sex swing operators? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe sure. that works a little bit better. <laughs> Wait a minute. My wife might be listening. Hold right. <laughs> so... Me and Chris um, were able to get to the church last night, and it is very creepy. It's definitely got a, a thickness to it. There's a heaviness there to it. Um, I think that a lot of our um, followers and listeners would probably like Graveyard Shift to event- eventually do some ghost hunting with them. And, you know, who better to go to the Hannibal Haunted Church here? Um, than you, Chris, right? Yeah, probably the guy who's spent most of his life in that church, or more life than anybody else has, probably, except maybe a priest or a preacher from 1902. <laughs> so, so well, with that said, I mean, that kind of opens up the uh, the floodgates here. Um, how old is the church? So the church uh, is actually uh, rather old. It was built around the 1900s, uh, and unfortunately, in, well, it depends on how you look at it, but uh, it is uh, not uh, was not used as a church very long, only a couple of years. Really? Uh, yeah. So, and you saw the it's a massive church, it's huge uh, brick uh, brick church that was built back in the day, and uh, it was a beautiful church. I mean, it was it was ravished by the community. Is oh my gosh, look how beautiful this church is uh, as compared to today, and not so much. Now it's just a two story brick building with no windows. But yeah, uh, yeah. But it was uh, it was it was real popular back in the day, and, and honestly, back when it first started, when it first was being built, that was when one of the deaths that we know of uh, occurred in the building. Okay, so our our first real sign of you know death, not murder, but a no. death, right? And so what happens? Yeah, so the story goes is that they are completing the construction of the building, and they, you know, you know, it still has a ways to go. You gotta gotta get the shingles on the roof, and gotta do all that still. And so they decide they need to do a, like a de- dedication ceremony or something along those lines. So the uh, church folk get together, and their new reverend comes in, and he's gonna, you know, bless the building and and uh, you know just welcome everybody to see the new building. Well, anyway, as they're doing this. They uh, have a freak storm come across, and all of a sudden, the roof comes flying off, hits the ground, and kills their first preacher. Oh, yep. So the preacher was killed. Yeah, it was. Well, I don't, and I'm not sure. It might be Reverend, uh, more probably more so Reverend. Uh, but yeah, he uh, that was the first death uh, came. Now, now I don't know. If, is that a bad omen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the church doesn't last long after that. Right? No, it's uh, it goes through some issues. Uh, they have a, a couple. It, I, I, and in my um, what uh, type of religion it was specifically is a little hard. Uh, we do know at one point in time the Catholics uh, do take it over, but it's for a very very short period of time. And 
overall, you're only looking at maybe, and we don't have the exact number, but somewhere between maybe five to 15 years that it was a church, and that was it. Then it sat abandoned for a very long time. At one point in time, it turned into part of the bowling alley uh, that's next door, so it was uh, part of that. I'm not sure if it was a... um, like a, like a dance place or if it was just part of the bowling alley. And then it was turned into a bar for a little bit. And uh, then it turned into many, many years later, the Hannibal Community Theater took over and uh, sat in there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's got a wild history. And we, that doesn't even talk about the current history, which we'll get into <laughs> yeah, a little bit later. But yeah. I do want to go back. when During mm-hmm. that uh, five to 15-year period, uh, one of the most intriguing, obviously, the death of the first reverend is amazingly intriguing but go back to what happened with another one of the reverends that was there so he spent a few years there um and then all of a sudden he quits and moves to new york and drops out of being in religion just done Nobody really knows why. And actually, you know, you're looking into that 1900s time frame where you're not really following people on Facebook like you, no. like, you know, you do today and know that, uh, oh, they're working for, you know, Betty Crocker uh, somewhere now. But nobody knew really what happened to him. Well, come to find out, he dropped out of the religion and started writing books, which, okay, that's good. Yeah, write, I mean, you know, maybe he just had a, he had a party with the church and he was like, you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to write from now on. Let's but oh wait, let's but, let's but not. But that's not the case, is let, it? Let's write about psychics. <laughs> really? Yeah. Let's write about um, life after death. Wow. These are the stories that, uh, and his name is Minutes R. Savage. Uh, oh yes, well, quite quite the name. Uh, but yes, he writes books about the afterlife about paranormal um psychic abilities these are all books and again i've tried reading them and 1900 reading is extremely difficult in my opinion uh yeah so but there is one passage in one of the books that talks about his experiences at this church oh wow and his paranormal experiences which include him sitting in the um offices of the church and all of a sudden a chair starts levitating in front of him and this is in his book talking about something that happened here in Hannibal. So this this church might have a different origin. It could have been, like, I almost wonder what that patch of land was prior. We thought that too. Uh, and there wasn't really much there prior to the building being built. Uh, it, it was around the industrial time, so there was some industry in that neck of the woods. You saw when we took a tour uh, a few days ago of uh, the museum here in Hannibal, mm-hmm. it was a very industrialized area yeah. uh, through that uh, through that neck of town. And but beyond that, you know, our first thought went to um, you know American uh, Indians, Native Americans. Well, that's where I was going to go with it. I mean, you could still find you know, musket balls, you could still find arrowheads near the, you know, near the waterways and the small creeks in the area. So I'm wondering maybe if something happened there with some savagery or some death and then to have a person named Savage, um, you know, be the first reverend or minister. um, I I think that it just doesn't feel like the the church in and of itself was the problem. It felt like where they built it was the problem. Well, and I think, you know, on that same... It's almost like it was it was 
doomed to fail. It, it was never meant to happen. Yeah, it was made to fail. Yeah. Uh, and another interesting little tidbit was also something that happened with the uh, I, I don't know, the board, I guess, the church board. Uh, there was some questions of um, maybe, uh, I'm not sure if it's exactly financial money as people stealing or just questioning where the money was at, which destroyed the church, ended up running a couple people off. And, and it really, that was another big, big hiccup in, in this church history. Um, so that you can add to the, the interest of this building just by that simple fact. Uh, but do you want to, and we'll have to get to this a little bit later, but mm-hmm. the secret room's another little interesting tidbit. Of yeah, this. it's definitely, um, we were able to, tour the church and go through it. It's now part haunted house, part extracurricular activities. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well put. Yeah. And so uh, there's, um, for me, you know, coming into it, I was expecting to see more um, of a a gothic revival, I guess, when I walked in. And it felt like, once I was in there, it didn't feel like I was in a church anymore. It didn't. And I guess this is because of the, even though it had high ceilings, it looks like they kind of shuttered the high ceilings. It doesn't look like it's very open. It looks like the uh, all the stained glass, which was there at one point. I mean, I almost want to, you know, it's almost funny to see that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have pictures of this when it was still a church. or Yeah, there's there's one circulating around. Um, maybe I'll pass that along to you. If yeah, because I'd like to put it, it on yeah. our Facebook yeah. so people give people a little bit of a visual. And if you saw our Instagrams last night, we did an Instagram story when we were inside it. You can see how dark and kind of musty. There's some major water damage in it right now, um, which is sad. But you can really start to see the, you know, the old trimmings of the building from you know the turn of the century. So yeah. that was kind of interesting. Uh, and you brought up a, a point about the inside with the the windows and, and stuff like that. The very first thing, and we're going to get into this, I'm sure, but uh, our very first time being in the building was prior to an investigation, and the first thing that caught me at that time was that the whole inside of the church, uh, the actual rectory parts was black. It was painted black. Yeah. That's just bizarre. Yeah. Which we know the background story about why, because it was again, a, a community theater at one point in time. The goal was that they have, uh, the theater part is in the basement. Was that in the basement? I should say at that time, but the upstairs was going to be turned into a dinner theater. And so the goal was we're going to paint the inside nice and, you know, make it nice, look presentable. So they painted the whole thing black. Well, when, when, when a, um, you know, when a, a goal gets messed up and you can't finish it, then you have something awkward there that's yeah. just sitting there like, why is the church painted black now? <laughs> yeah, right. the, the money falls through and yeah. you're kind of left with half painted um, buildings. Uh, there was a person that actually lived there at one point. Yes, uh, well. the, and he still is uh, the, um, the Hannibal Arts Council director. Uh, lived there for a while, and that was when it was still part of the community theater. Uh, but he has moved out, so has the community theater since then. They moved to another location, um, and that was right around the time we actually started our first it, the first investigation of the place. Was when uh, they were uh, part of the community theater still. Okay, so you're you're still part of the community theater. So you're having costumes. You have all these different things going on, and then. How long ago was this? I, I, 2007, I believe, was the okay. first year. It was either 2007 or 2008. I'm a little so further, almost 10 little, years ago. Yeah. Oh, over 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, a... Well, 13 years, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but 
it was an interesting setup because I wasn't in paranormal investigating at that time, and this was quite the church to get uh, my feet wet <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean. um, but it, it started out I was working at a local radio station. We, um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of uh, Bob and Tom. Um, or actually, it was Stephen DC at the time. Uh, they were a local radio station there. They were kind of a regional morning show out of St. Louis, and they used to do this really cool Halloween show every year. So me and a buddy that worked at the radio station were like, man, we should do something like that. That'd be fun to do a radio show like that. So we put something together. We actually got on the air and said, hey, we're looking for locations to go do a haunted haunted house. We had some cool ones um, or do a paranormal investigation. We had some cool ones, but it nothing really came apart. And then all of a sudden, the news director from the t- radio station comes over and talks to us. And he's like, hey, I think I got a spot for you. Um, I'm on the board for the Hannibal Community Theater, and, and we've had some really weird activity going on. And so we're like... Yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds great. Uh, so it kind of just fell in our laps. And the first story, and I think the story that really sealed it for us is that being an interesting location, was that one of the costume designer people that worked with the costumes, She, we talked to her, and she gave us a story about working above where the confessionals were at in this church. And she's doing, you know hemming seeming all that stuff for 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 costumes and she all of a sudden hears a male voice start speaking in some some language she's not aware of but she kind of thinks like it sounds like latin so she gives me what the line is and i'm like well this will be easy i'll just contact the local university which is a catholic university and they're gonna have they're gonna have priests on on hand that know latin in and out so i called them and uh, sure enough, it was literally uh, a prayer that she was hearing, which she didn't know Latin. I mean, do you, I would love to learn Latin, but I sure don't know how. Don't know Latin. I mean, my, my cousin knows it. I mean, he, he <laughs> took it in, in college when he was getting his journalism degree at University of Miami, so he knows a little Latin. But you know, I know a little bit of Latin. I grew up Roman Catholic, so it's mm-hmm. very different than Charismatic Catholics, which is the ones we all know. They're right. called Catholic aerobics, where you sit and you'll stand. Yeah. Um, Roman Catholics, pretty much the entire sermon was done in 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 mm-hmm. a latin and so they would talk to an altar and you would basically be kneeling the entire service you were not allowed to touch the host it's a very interesting way to go to church i mean you really didn't get anything out of it unless you understood latin, latin. but that was part of the church's control methodology right that you know certain people know the word and so they they thirst for the word and so they go to the church and then the church can control them mm-hmm. so this becomes this whole roman catholic thing that yeah becomes a, a period of control well let me add on to that so i i grew up catholic as well but uh, my time frame when i really was young enough to start understanding it they were not doing latin anymore at that point in time at our church so the girl that was working as a um the costume designer she was younger than me so that goes to even the next step to say okay because you know there even when i was going to catholic catholic uh, church uh when i was young there was sections that was still in latin like sure. little sections sure. and you remember you know if you've been to a church service 300 times you start memorizing exactly what they're saying. So yeah, you could remember some of those Latin words, but by the time but by her age, I believe she would have been way too young to even know that part. So I, I that's an, that's part of the reason that just it really caught me that that something was something was different with this. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that it does kind of lend itself to you know whether that was um what was his name, Minot? Minute? Minute. Minute. It's, it's like it looks like like M I N O T. Minute. Minute. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so maybe maybe that was kind of his 
if he was praying, especially like that sounds like the Lord's Prayer, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe he was doing that repetitiously because he had seen stuff that he couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. And when these occurrences kept happening, that's probably when he decided to just be like, yeah, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah. Or he thought that, you know, it's, wow, look how amazing this is. The people people need to know about this other side. That's right. Sure. So, the it's been a long weekend, man. It has. We've been <laughs> exploring, but I don't know. Sometimes I just get the yawns. Um, but it has been a long weekend, and it's a, it's a very fun town, and I can't wait to come back. I think that Hannibal is definitely a uh, – it's definitely a place where, you know, a lot of things have happened, a lot of things have occurred. And I think that this church is kind of caught up between all of that. Uh, there's a lot of devastation here. There's a, there's a current person missing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw in the uh, police department tomorrow. She's been missing since 2015, I think. And so, you know, these things don't always make the airwaves in St. Louis, and even though we're only about two-hour drive from here. And so I think the historic nature of the town kind of brings everything back into the fold. And, and so why this church kind of stands, because it is one of the largest buildings, which I think is... It's just ironic a little bit that no matter where you are in the city, you can see the church mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, how many times they point out to you as we were driving around, yeah. hey, there's the church. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just, you know, it just never makes it to what it was built for. And I wonder how much money was lost by the archdiocese and all these other people that kind of came in and tried to make it work. But there is another church here, I guess, that was already pulling the people? or Yeah, there was a couple at that point in time. Uh, that's, And I think that was another part of the decline of the church in general was just that with all the chaos and confusion and all that, it, people just started fading away. And then I think that was the ultimate, ultimate last blow was, was that just losing your congregation. Yeah. I'm actually going to try to pull up the, uh, the newspaper article where the Reverend gets crushed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this was, uh, this had to have been news. It is, but it's really hard to find it. And I'll be honest with you. If, if you've been to Hannibal, it's not a well-known story. Uh, I can tell you that I... I mean, you talked to a historian about it. He didn't know it. Yeah, he didn't. He wasn't aware about it. I, and I, I got to give, and we'll talk about her later, Bobby, uh, a great friend of mine. She uh, is my, my number one historian and, and researcher, and, and she found a bunch of that, and she actually found um, the Mr. Savage, Reverend Savage's books and, and all that, too, and that was unknown information to us, you know, just until about two years ago. You might have to use Bobby on the... Uh on the Lost Boys case. She's good at that stuff. I love researchers <laughs> like that. Yeah. They pull out the diamonds in the rough yep. there. Yeah. Um, is Bobby the one we talked to about the cemetery we visited? Was she the one giving us the clues? No, no, no. That's a different one. That was a, that's a, another one of the local uh, investigators here just across the river in Quincy. She's, so that was fun, too. We should yeah. bring that up, the Riverside yeah. Cemetery, and we should bring up the other cemetery. Um, and we'll post all this on our um, our Facebook page. Um, but we found one of the little bells yeah. that kind of hangs over the... Is it a death bell? The death bell. Yeah. Um, and this was basically a, an instrument used when people uh, allegedly would wake from their from their death. Well, wake from their somber sleep. Yeah. And, and Some people thought they were dead. They buried them. Yeah. Turns out they weren't. They just had a spell. Yeah. And you wake up and you're underground. And the reason why this happened was because we they had done some excavations to move certain cemeteries. And they saw that on the... Um, the lids of the coffins underneath, there were scratch marks. Mm. And like the, a lot of times people's fingernails would be missing. And basically they succumbed to their death inside a coffin underground. 
And so from that point on, Edgar Allan Poe was a big guy that was, this was his biggest fear. And I think a lot of other people decided to create a mechanism where you could ring the bell if you woke up. And this was used by a lot. In, in our case, it was a young child, about eight years old. And so clearly the parents had not moved on and wanted the kid to awake at some point. And so... So, yeah, we found that. And out of about, uh, there's well over 3,000 people buried in that place. And then uh, there's more. But we searched for a while. We couldn't find any more. But we knew there's like no. four or five total that was on yeah. in the property. That's also the same cemetery that, uh, if you're familiar with Mark Twain, Injun Joe is buried at. Yes, and we'll post that picture as well. We yeah. got a picture of his. His get, just got redone, it looks like, in really nice granite. And there is a there's a there's a carving of him on it. And... He always denied his entire life. He lived 102 years. He always denied his entire life that he had nothing to do with that story because he was always a, um, a law-abiding citizen. Huh. <laughs> and, um, it he just, might have well have been. He could have been. I mean, <laughs> probably was. <laughs> Mark, you know, Sam Clemens was a very creative writer, and so he had to add, you know, the mystery to the the novels and stuff. So, not to get too off topic, um, that happens more with Jeremy because he never takes his Adderall. But um, <laughs> so if we stay on on the task here at hand, uh, we've moved. We talked a little bit about the history of the of the church, and it's it's kind of sad, also weird. Uh, Bowling Alley Community Theater is also. I mean, there's a funeral home down the road, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of interesting things that happen right behind the church as well. Yeah. Um, and so, let's go a little bit into the meat. Thirteen years ago. Right, you start your first investigations. What are the first experiences? Because you told me in the car that you've visited over 130 places, and and this church is still the one that gives you the yeah. most. I told you last that was yeah. we were going there. I'm like, man, yeah. I'm feeling a little nervous. Yeah, you're like, oh <laughs> Jesus, and I was like, oh, most ain't good. You're the you're the investigator, bro. Every time we get like we're leading ourselves up to go to that place, it's just the nerves start getting because you never know. I mean, I can still hide behind Jeremy, so. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't feel. I felt that I was the bigger one last yeah. time. And I was like, man, Jeremy. Usually, I just put the the demon in front, and then he can usually <laughs> expel it with his ass. Um, is how Jeremy rolls. But um, yeah, you had me like, oh well. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous going here. I hadn't been here in a while, and da 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 da. And so we open this creaky door up, and it opens up, and there's this interesting instrument sitting all around here. Like, okay, what's going on here with all this rope, buddy? <laughs> Thought I was in the like Dexter's murder house. Ooh. Now, that would have been an interesting twist if it would have been a bunch of plastic all around. Yeah. Well, there was when you walked through the Haunted Mansion. Oh, that's true. Like, that's true. I was like, oh. This so, is- so let's talk about 13 years ago. So as we mentioned, we were looking for a radio show. We found it. Uh, we found a, a paranormal group that uh, was coming out of St. Louis at the time um, to help us investigate it. So we go in and we spend the nights there. Uh, it, this is... October 30th, so it's the night before Halloween. We do the morning show the next morning. Under 100 days till Halloween. Just want to... Oh, oh, nice. Amazing. Nice. Uh, so we investigate through the night, and I'll tell you a couple of stories uh, right off the bat as uh, the group... And again, I wasn't even an investigator, but... What a great way to get my first investigation in well, this that's, place. That's all it takes. Yeah. So so a couple of investigators do a tour around. Again, remember, it's a community theater still at this point in time. So they go around. They go on the stage. They go off to the side. Uh, they um, are in the changing room at that time. And uh, one of the investigators peeks his head into the changing room and says, Hello, anybody here? And the curtain for the changing room blows up in his face. Wow. So that was the first experience. Nothing really too big happened the rest of the night until the 
paranormal group left left us three little radio souls sitting in the building by ourselves which was scary and i'll be honest i'm man enough to say that we were grown men grown-ass men and we would not go to the bathroom by ourselves that night (laughs) same we were like let's go yeah (laughs) we're we're all going to the bathroom together yeah so we decide they leave some of their equipment the paranormal group leaves some of their equipment here again we're we're so rookie we we have no idea what we're doing so we decide that we're going to go upstairs and and just find out what happens so we take a k2 meter and i think i was sitting probably like i'm sitting right now with my leg crossed i had a k2 meter sitting on my foot sitting down on chair of course everybody is within like about about a foot and a half of me Mm -hmm. Uh, so real tight all all of us together all of us really scared uh so i'm sitting there asking questions and i ask the question of would you like? Uh, w- would you be upset if this if this place was torn down? No response. And I so I say, within like ten seconds. Well, that's good. All of a sudden, the K two liter K two meter lights up to red all the way across. So from one to five. Yep. In, in seconds. Yes. And my, all of a sudden, my foot feels like I just stepped in a fire pit. It is on fire, and it's the same foot I had the K2 meter sitting on. And I point that out. Luckily, no blisters, nothing like that. I've heard people tell after the fact that they've gotten blisters and stuff on their feet because of that. But it was the weirdest experience. So that happened. And then we were all like, all right, let's go Let's go outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're done. Uh, but anyway, we go outside, spend a little time out there. Again, this is 4 o'clock in the morning. The, the paranormal group went back to the hotel so they could review the audio evidence. So it's just us radio people there now. Um, we go back in um, later on. We have a couple K2 meters. And I'm sure you have people that are investigators that are listening sure. to podcasts all the time. And so, you know, it's... Back then, it was one of those things where, like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. We're getting interaction. And what I was referring to was we had K2 meters again. Two of us were sitting in the kitchen together. I said, okay, I'm going to be the yes answer. She's going to be the no. So answer our questions, yes or no. So we'd ask the questions, and we were getting yes and no responses from the K2. And that just really now, now you're, it's kind of like ghost fever, I call it. It's kind of like gold fever. You get your first real nugget, and then all of a sudden, it's like I'm hooked for gold. Yeah, yeah, and like, exactly. But in this case, it's like you want your leg to go on fire again, and yeah. this is yeah. just weird, right? It's yeah. a weird. You would think like black people. That's why I like the brothers, the ghost show, because uh-huh. it's hilarious. Because black people see that shit and they leave. They're like, oh, we're done. We're out, <laughs> and you don't hear from them ever again. White people, UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot. They'll just get right in the crunches. Just get give big big give Bigfoot a hug. Get in a, in a headlock with them. Other people, I just it's a white sport, man. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's like a white sport. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, like there's the occasional black person that'll yeah. be on the team for a day and be like, this is this nope, we should be around here. This is wrong, and so. That's that's kind of the funny thing about it. It's like people's like, well, why do you get bitten? I don't know. Like, there's something that you, your curiosity peaks, and you want to know why you can't explain that. And I guess that's why you go into paranormal. That's what the whole thing's about. It wasn't normal. It's paranormal, and I'm gonna try to figure out what it is. Yep. Now, unfortunately, every time you go down those roads, it's like every picture is blurry. But the picture you showed me yesterday. Oh, that's a different location. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, that was yeah. a great one. So. Uh, I do want to go back. So the yes and no questions with the K2 meter. Yeah. 
you know, typically it could just be dumb luck. So we end up switching, swapping K2 meters and saying, okay, well, I'm still yes, she's still no. So answer our questions, still got yes in our questions. And we were asking questions that we shouldn't have been asking and didn't know any better at the time. Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Oh, Can boy. you leave this place? Uh, all those questions were getting answered. And it was so amazing. Looking back a few years after that, at that point in time and that night, I thought to myself, oh, cool. I'm getting... I, this this must be par, you know. This, this always is, happens. Yeah, this is great. What <laughs> what great paranormal experience this is. This I I could do this every night, and then it never happens again. And I've never had an interactive K two session like that in the thirteen years I've investigated yep. since. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's it was quite a night. Well, anyway, the pinnacle of the night. I got to tell you about this. The pinnacle of the night was when the investigators came back and they reviewed all their audio evidence and it was about 5.30 in the morning. We were going to do the morning show from 6 to 9 at the location <laughs> which in retrospect we probably shouldn't have. We probably should have went back to the radio station but who knew it was going to be haunted place. Um, <laughs> so one of, the, uh, one of the investigators named Jeremiah comes in and he says come straight to me. Walk straight to me and says you got to listen to this. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay. So we go over to the little bar area. I put the headphones on. The first thing I hear is uh, a voice or, and one of the investigators saying, would you like this to be a church again? And then uh, you hear, this is Satan's church now, bitches. <laughs> well, yeah, and I heard it. I heard it yesterday in your car. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was insane that, that you were able to kind of pick up on I've never heard an EVP that that clear before. Usually it's like, did you hear that? It said murder you. And I didn't say any of that. It was just, it was white noise. Yeah. And you're making it sound like that. Yeah, there was no editing. No, no, it was straight. Uh, it was, and then that was, you know. So that was one of those points where you look around like, man, I, I think I'm just going to go home. Uh, but there was more there was a lot of and you i didn't get these to you they're on another clip but there there was a lot of fu's a lot of go to hells um a lot of growling and ah! throughout the whole that's they caught all that and that was in a matter of like four hours uh yeah, yeah. and it was the first time i guess it had been ever ever and i think ever. this is what people don't realize is that they always it's the same thing with pythian um i think it's either one or two things if it's a brand new site, when somebody tells me, well, you know, we, we haven't done this before and we think there's something in the house. And I think that when you do an exploratory or when you do an investigation at that point, you're going to get the best performance oh, yeah. the first time. Yeah. I've always thought that too. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I've always been at the point where I was, I said, you know, I perfect examples, Villisca, Iowa. I love Villisca. It's a, the history of that town and the history of the ax murders is just so fascinating to me. But if you look at their calendar, it's almost every day somebody is at that location investigating. Yeah. So I guarantee you those kids there are like, dude, I've messed with that machine. I played with it. I told them I was here, and you bastards keep coming back. Screw you. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard the location's completely dried up. I yeah. was reading last night that like they haven't got a hit in a long time. And it's almost like you know Ashmore became something really special. And then you get idiots like Zach Baggins going there and like, I'm blind. <laughs> I can't see. Like, nobody cares about this guy. And he just has to do more um, crazy things like buy the Manson house. This is a big thing now. But at the same time, like, that's the other problem. I think that if you are, I think there's hope, right, for that dead person, for that spirit. There's like, oh, shit, somebody is trying to reach out to us. Let's get as much information to them as possible 
and then nothing happens yeah. to their situation. So it's like, yeah. great, more assholes are going to come in here and ask me the same fucking questions, yeah. and I'm not going to get a response. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I often, I often, you, this is the other thing that really just fucking drives me crazy. It's when people start talking to ghosts that don't speak English. It's like, yeah. can you learn a new language when you're dead? Yeah. Because you're not speaking German. Yeah, and then you hear, well, once they've passed away, they can understand all languages. Right. And, and who says this? And, and, like, what's the logic behind this? And there's yeah. a couple devices and there's a couple things. Like, also, like, naming people. Like, the whole Mr. Boots thing. That yeah. would piss me off. That's not my fucking name. Yeah. Like, learn my fucking name, <laughs> you fat fuck. You're here every other weekend. Right. Come on. Learn my fucking name, weirdo. Um... Or I'm not talking to you anymore. And then guess what? They don't have to. Yeah. They don't have to talk to you anymore. And I think it's... And I also think the second part of that, the second leg to the church, is the people. Now, I have a very spiritual background. I wanted to be a priest. And so I think that less things happen when I'm there. I, re- I just really do. I mean, I was very a, a part of my religion. I still love my religion. I'm not a huge you know, vocalist about it. But I have my own belief system, and it's mine, and it's private. And that's the way I think religion should be. It's yeah. the way I think everything should be. Stop putting labels on people. Amen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, you know, if you are great. And that's how I treat my religion. It's the same with anything else in life, whether, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a gender personality or what you're into sexually. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. And guess what? I've never been harassed because I don't label myself. I don't put myself in a group, and that's why. And so the other part of that is I think the people that are a part of it make it more paranormal i think that people have attachments and they bring this Mm, into that energy and it starts stirring it up so sometimes when you have a lot of events happen like lent mansion is dead it's fucking dead but recently recently there's an alleged thing that happened at the lent mansion and i got a call from the owner of the mansion i'm saying hey we're wrapping up our Elsa Lemp film, and like we want to do some stuff over there, put a curio cabinet up with some of our findings. He's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. He says, but right now, Frank, I got to tell you, the whole dining room's kind of shut down. We're doing some construction in there. And I said, well, what happened? And he tells me that a guy took a bath upstairs and fell asleep in the tub. And I'm like, fell asleep in the tub, Paul? He's like, yep, that's what they're telling us. thing is, it's like if you're caught doing or committing suicide, it's, it's actually the Baker Act here. There's a problem with that. It's a law. Like, they'll lock you up. You know, they'll put you away from yourself for a while. And so I don't know, and I don't have any evidence of this, but somebody that falls asleep in a bathtub in the Lemp Mansion, I just got to, there's some suspicion there. And so what happens is... Did he actually die? No, he didn't die. Okay. Uh, He fell asleep in the bathtub. So whether he was extremely tired, took a sleeping pill, got in the bathtub, and fell asleep, what happened was the water continued to run. Oh, okay. The water went through the roof, through the ceiling, into their beautiful um, mosaic, not mosaic, um, fresca painting on top of the ceiling, made a big hole in it, and so they've been dealing with that. But it just goes to show you, they had recently brought back a piano that allegedly was at the mansion. And so since that piano's been back, it stirred some stuff up. And so I think sometimes when you add to the, the mysticism of it, or you bring something back, or construction, we've often talked about when construction happens, especially with that church. That church might wake up again the minute they start working on those roofs and those leaks and all that stuff. So you just never know. It's that second wave of maybe a person has an attachment, it's brought into the environment, and then suddenly things are active again. Yeah. But I think really your first shot at ghost hunting 
It's always when it's a new location. Oh yeah, Virgin locations are are my pinnacle. Like when when uh, there's a group of about five of us that get together, and whenever we, you know, it's it's you know normal day when we're going to you know the church or someplace that everybody's been to, but game on when it's a new location because I want everybody to be on their A game because this is where it could really happen. That's where yeah. we had the most luck. And that's where your experiences come from, right? I still, and I guess a lot of my locations, when I was a kid, I had issues with the Ouija board in my house. And so I've, I know exactly what it feels like to be in a paranormal setting. I've been there. Whether you can create that yourself. And that's the other, I think that's the third wave, right? Is when you created it yourself, when you brought something like a Ouija board into the into the scene, and like, have you ever tried to do any of the seances or any Ouija board stuff in the church in no, Hannibal? We have not because the current owners are not in favor of doing doesn't don't want us to do that. I we've talked about it, and I would I would actually like to try it sometime, but we've always respected the wishes of the owners and said, yeah, we're, we'll we're not, we won't do that for it because if you don't want us to, so. So that's weird. So there's a cautionary flag that went up mm-hmm. from the owners of the church, yeah. like. Yeah, and they've had enough experience there, um, and we haven't even touched on all the experiences. Over well, let's the get past in. Let's get years. into those. <laughs> let's get into the experiences. So, we kind of went down a little path of, of paranormal. The first and, night, and the first night, yeah. And so, the first night, you get the the you're using, and just so for people that don't know what a K two meter is, it's a small plastic meter. It fits in your hand. It's very ergonomic. There are five lights on it, from yellow all the way to to um, to red. And it's one, two, three, four, and five. Usually, if you can stay consistent at five, there's something there. Or it's elect- or it's natural. or you're near yeah. somebody's cell phone. Yeah. yeah. Or you're near electrical current. Yeah. So you have to be careful of where you are when you when that thing starts ringing. But if you're in an environment where there's no electric running and nobody has their cell phone around them, and you're at five and it's staying there steady and it's answering you, you're you're in you're in a position where you can ask questions to something that wants to be responsive. Which is a very rare thing to happen. It's a rare occurrence. Yeah. Um, it happened to me very much like that at the old heirloom room on Cherokee Street. We were the first ones to really do an investigation, and so we got a lot of good back and forth, yes and no. And so you can also do this with dowsing rods and stuff like that. But most locations are just dry because whatever's there chooses to be left alone. And I guess they can. You can probably just shut it off. And so after this event that you have with your K2 meters, you must be ecstatic and you're wanting to get back in there as soon as you can or maybe it starts the intrigue to be like i'm never doing that again well no actually it didn't but i'll be honest with you we did another investigation in hannibal the following halloween but between between the the church slash theater and our second hall our second investigation i didn't really think about it i thought that was the normal you know and that's the thing about that first investigation was i i mean it was so fascinating so interesting but i didn't realize how powerful that actually was so i didn't really get into it until the second investigation then i talked to that group specifically because they came back for the second year and i said yeah i think i might be interested in in in, in taking part in some of this so yeah. that's when it all started for me um we came back going back to the church part we came back and did another radio investigation but it was about five years after the first one. Oh wow um and we've been in there so was your interest peaked at this point and you weren't really investigating on your own or had you started investigating on your own? After the second year of us doing the Halloween show, then I started, I joined the group and started investigating. So at that point in time, then yeah, I was definitely interested. And this is the old paranormal task force. Yes. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love we're on the same page on that. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's it's not so much the team, it's it's certain people yes. on the team that make it not Absolutely. fun. So yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> to sidetrack. Yes. Uh, so we came back um, we, we did a couple investigations after I joined because there was a couple locals, uh, George and Monica. I uh, love them to death. Uh, they're up at Kirksville, uh, Missouri. And so they, we've investigated with them. Bobby, of course, coming in. But we've done a few investigations of the theater by ourselves after that uh, first time. Um, and, and there's been hits and misses, and we'll get into those in a second. But just to get back to the storyline, we did come back to the theater, like I believe it was year five of what we call Grizzoween. It was a radio station in Quincy, Illinois, uh, KZZK, The Grizz. So Grizzoween. Nice. Uh, it was. Uh, so we went back there, and, and that was the one I was telling you about the real quick story about that we had <clears throat> from. We would what we do is we would take our audio recorders and we would go do 15 minutes come back to the computer next person somebody else would be recording as as the first person was listening to the audio on the recorder or on the computer see if we caught anything i was the first person to record that night i sit down on the computer in the 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 theater part all by myself uh everybody else is upstairs great Put me by myself downstairs. Uh, have headphones on. You, you and Bobby, I just you and Bobby are, are fucking crazy. <laughs> I was watching some of those YouTube videos. And oh I'm yeah, like, you guys are fucking the shit, man. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, you guys could be like on a Kalik team. I still love Chad Kalik. I yeah. think Kalik did some fucking scary shit. Ugh, we were talking about that this weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and then that's that's the thing. I just want to point that out real quick. That like you know, what's that YouTube channel that you guys? What's it American called? American Ghost. American Ghost. So if you go on American Ghost and check out Bobby and Chris crazy escapades doing shit on their own in the same house and they're just on a wireless fuck that man like i don't know (laughs) there's something about it that's really adrenaline focused but yeah but anyway i didn't mean to interrupt oh well i appreciate that no by all means interrupt about that anytime uh but yeah so we we uh i was by myself in in the basement listened to the audio headphones on uh, you know hear regular us talking all of a sudden i hear on the audio recorder get out get out and so I'm like, okay, well, that was a get out. About two minutes later, I hear, get out. Whew. And then I'm like, okay, well, this is by myself again, remember? <coughs> and not good. Then about another two minutes into this audio recording, I hear, get out. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I got goosebumps just saying that. Yeah, and you're sitting there alone. Yeah, and I'm sitting there alone. So that was our second experience with the Grizzleween show. Uh, we didn't have as much, but that was a pretty, pretty powerful period time. No, but on our own, we've had a lot of experience. So I can just—I know we're we're kind of getting heavy on time, but I'll go through just a few of the big ones. Yep. Had an experience where um, this is all at the church. This is every one of yeah. these experiences is at the church. Had an experience where we were in the kitchen investigating. Also, we hear we smell like a rotten egg, sulfur smell. Didn't smell it all night, and all of a sudden, boom, smell it. Uh, and usually, yeah, and I knew you were going with this. This is usually a sulfur smell. It's, re- it's a lot of times referred to as some sort of demonic entity. Yeah, or Jeremy's present. Or Jeremy, yeah, yeah. Was we, Jeremy present? No, he was not. Okay, so, so all right, that ghost. eliminates that. Uh, yeah, ghost. So that was an interesting smell. Come to find out, uh, the rest of the night goes on. I'm driving home. I live about 40 minutes away from here. Uh, driving home that night in my truck, and all of a sudden the same smell comes back. I didn't have any gas that night either, and I smell that sulfur smell in my truck. And you hear, and I'm I'm yelling, I'm saying, "Get out of my truck! Get out of my truck! Get out of my truck!" And the smell disappears. So that was another experience. Um, we've had 
trying to think of any other big ones uh, that have happened. Um, we've done a lot of stuff in that place, uh, but it's hit and miss, like you said. And after a while, I think it starts slowing down, uh, not as active. We've had a situation where we were up in the rectory part, two of us on one side, two on the other. Two of us got violently sick. Of course, we were right next to the substation, so I will put that into play, uh, that it was possible we were just in taking on way too much EMF, which mm-hmm. is known to cause sickness. But at that same time, the other two investigators on the other side, all of a sudden here, <laughs> on the other side. So we have gotten growls, we've gotten uh, all that sort of stuff. But I mean, that's just kind of telling you kind of a broad stroke of, we've investigated the place probably close to myself. Um, I'm thinking I'm up to around 15 times now that I've been in there. Um, of course, like last night, I wouldn't even count because we didn't. We were just no. Did a we, tour. Did, we didn't do a thorough. Uh, it was more of yeah, a, just a walk through, but uh, a brush over. Yeah. Now it's a. Now I'm talking about current day. It, it is a. Um, there is a haunted house that's open during the month of October. Uh, they use that money to help try to restore the building, which is great. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. I will say this though. It was a lot more scarier when it was a wide open space now than it is in the current setup where you have a maze in the main church area. Which the maze was freaky. I was like a lot of, you know, there was a lot of... How did you feel about that last night? I was literally just walking through it like I was walking down the street because I've been through it so many times. Well, I'm guessing there's more they add to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't have nearly what they had. They take a lot of the stuff out of there. Yeah, because I guess people season. can break in. And yeah, but there's a lot more to it after. Yeah, I, I think that um, knowing what I know now as I remember coming up on the, the – unfortunately, that, that huge massive leak that's happening um, from the roof, when you come into it, I understand where I was. It's almost like I was in where the choir would usually sing. And a front of me was where the sermon would take place, and down below where that maze is is where the bleachers, yeah, which is where the pews would have exactly been. Exactly right. And so, and I didn't get that because you know, like I said, altar boy, Eucharistic minister, following the path of Father Jim Fatucci, and a bunch of other things that I loved about my childhood. Now I know there's a lot of bad Catholics out there, and some crazy shits happened. That was not my experience, mm-hmm. so I really can't speak to that. I can only speak to my experience. Um, I hate that it happened. I hate that it does happen, but it happens at every de- denomination. But when I walked in there, I was like, man, this must have had a really beautiful goal at one point to be something very grandeur, right? And unfortunately, it just doesn't happen. And so I think that creates a negative environment as well. I think a lot of people's hearts and minds, the people that built the place, that's all in there too. It's like this had a lot of, it was resting on a lot of hope. And because that's what makes churches successful, is the faith, is the people. And as we've seen, especially in St. Louis, where we have the most abandoned churches there are in any other city, it's very sad to see a lot of these things dilapidate. I also understand that people have walked away from, you know, the the faith. And so I think there's that element in there as well. It gives you that heaviness, the, the negativity that's there. It's like, you know, not a lot of people believe. So what does that leave then? What is that residue that kind of joins the other energies that have that have occurred in this place? And I think that that's what, I mean, from the Halloween aspect of it and the maze, I think it's, it adds a new dynamic of creepiness that you're in a church, that at one point this was people's salvation. This was people's like faith driven ability to grieve and to get over things and to have this person or, you know, religious 
aspect of their life and where you've now it's not that anymore it's a place where we investigate it's a place where a haunted house happens where they try to raise money and fix it up and then there's the other side to that which is the sex rooms yep which I don't know if we do. We want to talk about. We that? can. I mean, they're uh, the. Are they the, open about it? I mean, yeah, they are. Um, so, the, and that's uh, the the latest thing. When they bought that, um, they do have um, some stores, uh, a store in in, uh, in Quincy, which is just across the river, um, that caters to that. But the, it's something that they've added on. They are open about it. Uh, but it is it extremely intriguing that it's a church that's happening, and then and. Mm. You know, we thought demonic or, you know, evil spirits, whatever you want to call it, back in the early days, um, they're probably loving this, if that's the case. Now, on the flip side, if you have a former, you know, preacher, reverend, priest, whatever you want to call it, that is there in some way, uh, they probably don't like it very much. No, I, I think that, I think it's both, right? I think that... Maybe that's why it's died down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why, you know, it's just like... Usually it's a resistance. It's a battle between good and evil. I mean, that's where you really come down to the... You know, when somebody tells me they're an atheist, but they're a ghost investigator, <laughs> it's really just... <laughs> what? Like, why, why are you a walking contradiction right now? Double standard? Yeah, it's a total double standard. And it's like, you know, you have to believe in something in order for this to... Or you're just wasting your time. You know, and I think there's a lot to do with that. And we've talked about that in our earlier season. This being season three, this is the traveling season. This is where we're going to locations. And we're actually talking to the experts and we're doing these things. And, and so I think that when you look at the, you know, the Haunted Church of Hannibal, I think that the things that, that you can take away from it is at one point it was a boiling point for paranormal activity. But it doesn't mean that you can't bring in a group of people and that could spark up again. Like, who are these victims and who are these people? The other thing of that is like, if you bring a lot of faith-based people in, I think that might spark something, you know? And you're finding ways to trigger what's happening at this point. Um, in this area, there's a mansion, too. Do you know, we have a little bit, we have about 10 minutes left, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Do you know anything about... A little uh, bit. Uh, Rockcliffe Mansion, I believe, is the mansion you're talking about. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful building, uh, it, and it's uh, has its history of, of being haunted. I don't know exactly the uh, background of why it's haunted. Uh, I do know some of the stories about uh, apparitions and things like that. There's a book that was released a few years ago that specifically talks about that. Uh, we unfortunately tried to do one of our Halloween investigations at that place, but they wanted us to buy every single one of their B&B rooms that night, which would have been like $2,500 to buy Ooh. the building for the night. So we dec- politely declined that offer. Uh, but there is a and lot. And how many rooms are there? I think there's like five. So it's just like one mansion. Yeah. It's it's a huge building, uh, beautiful building. It is. They do offer tours. So if you're in Hannibal, you want to check it out, I, by all means, I would definitely recommend checking that place out because it's it is a beautiful beautiful building and then i i think we should do that i mean because we always like to give credit where credit i had like i said an amazing time in hannibal i want i wish i could have done more touristy things and i might do that today after i drone a couple things that we're working on a huge case and this is another podcast that me and chris are a part of jeremy will kind of chime in every now and then he's you know extremely busy school's here starting soon but me and chris have dedicated the the next year or two years of our life to trying to investigate and find out what happened to the disappearances of three boys and that is the uh, the lost boys of hannibal the 1967 case where three kids go missing and they are never found and, and chris correct me if i'm wrong 
in every other cave exploration where somebody was lost, they always found them. Either dead or alive. They've always found the body. This is the only case in the world where they've never found the bodies. And so that's what creates the uh, the mystery behind it. And in sometimes when you have other mysteries, like the Jack the Ripper and the different things, sometimes people don't want closure because they like to keep it the way it is. It, it creates revenue and, and extreme dollars for Whitechapel. In this particular case, I think the community as a whole, I think even the Rawls County Sheriff's Department, I think the Hannibal Police Department, and I think the family members and the friends of these people. I mean, even today, I was sitting out here and they saw like what I was working on. And it's, oh, I remember that. Huh. Like, and these people are probably in their, their late 60s and 70s, but they remember being in high school when this happened. And so it was a huge story. And so that's part of the actual, that's one of the biggest stories in Hannibal is the disappearances of these three boys. I'm sorry, you bring up a great point. I didn't even think about this till just now. Was that if you were doing, if this happened in a small town, it would be, I mean, we would probably be taken out with pitchforks and, and, mm-hmm. and, and all that. But that's not what Hannibal's about. Everybody knows, I'd say 90% of the population knows what where Hannibal is and what Hannibal's about. It's about Mark Twain. So it's a sub-note from a tourism aspect, mm-hmm. but it is a huge part of the community's aspect and how much, as you said, how much they know um, and remember that 1967 event. It's it's their 9-11. Yeah. Um, essentially, it, it's it's branded with them. I think every kid that was born in 1967 and beyond were told not to go in the caves because of it. Um, I think it's the reason why you don't get as much exploration. There's a reason why they've sealed most of the caves up that aren't safe. There's no reason to be in there. Um, there's no physical element that's going to make you rich. There's no treasure in there because anybody that went in there might have never come out or died in there. And this is still the case. I mean, I know they used to find ancient Indian artifacts, and nobody knew the land like the Native Americans. And I think the fact that there's no Native American symbolism inside that one cave tells you that they even knew to stay out of it. And I think that because they were very involved in the Mark Twain caves, they were very involved in other cave systems, but for some reason, that Murphy's Cave... They even stayed clear of it because we never found any kind of... Usually when you see human elements within it from an archaeology standpoint, it's fairly safe if you can get back out. In this particular cave, there's no sign of that. This is shale walls. It's very different geology. And I think even they knew there was something wrong with that cave. Uh, You know, call it ghost, call it paranormal. But at the end of the day, those caves are now sealed and we're in the brink of this investigation. And so that brought us to Hannibal. And while we were here, why not do a graveyard shift travel episode uh, where we're in Hannibal, Missouri, and we're telling people to come out and visit Hannibal. The Mark Twain stuff is cool. The house is here. And let's not forget Molly Brown, right? Molly Brown is a huge figure inside of Hannibal. She's also uh, represented in the film Titanic by Kathy Bates. Um, She is um, one of the people that was more philanthropic as the ships were being saved from the Titanic, from the Carpathia, she was the one that actually went around and told all the rich people to gather up their money, gather up their jewels, and hand them over to the immigrants who had just lost their fathers and everything. And so this is the type of person that she was. She would eventually, 
develop a brain tumor and there was a lot of stories about her becoming crazy but it wasn't really her becoming crazy we know this now it was just because of that brain tumor but she's a phenomenal figure here within Hannibal so that's a cool thing to visit the Mark Twain cave is open to the public it's a safe cave they do a lights out which is really scary we're going to do that next time with Jeremy because Jeremy likes to fart in the dark Um, (laughs) where's that sulfur smell there's a demon in here (laughs) (laughs) and so I mean he's our gas bag I, I kind of wonder if they were put if it, that that would create some sort of chemical issue that they wow. may have to evacuate the cave. They might. It might have just like people are just standing outside <laughs> waiting to go, and you just see this fireball. Like, boom, boom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> toasty. Um, we definitely want to come back in fall. I was talking to Jeremy last night. We want to come here when the leaves are changing. It's got to be beautiful around these parts. Also, when that brush gets off our cave, because it is covered. In poison ivy. Covered. Which was like, I tried to walk Seb. He's like, wait, that's a, that's a five leaf. I've never seen that big of poison ivy yeah. bush before. Right. And if you go to our website, which is uh, lostboysofhannibal.com, which we were able to get that, believe it or not. Um, so lostboysofhannibal.com, you actually see the, the front picture is that cave. And you can, if you just know, just look at the leaves, you'll see. It's all poison It's ivy. all poison ivy. And so <laughs> we didn't get that close to it. Um, but that is the site where they walk into it. And so... Um, with that, we got about five minutes left. I wanted to, is there any other haunts that people coming to Hannibal should visit? You know, it, it's not a whole lot. There used to be a place called Lulabelle's, uh, was a Bordeaux, uh, uh, um, it, it was a red light house. Oh, house of ill repute. Yes. Uh, and, uh, since then there used to be a restaurant, but it's closed. Um, there's another place called, uh, Labina restaurant and bistro. Uh, we've never investigated it, but we've heard a lot of stories about that place being haunted. Um, and it's uh, great food by the way. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's really, there's a few places, but it's just really hard in Hannibal to get into them. Um, there's a church that, uh, or excuse me, a hospital called St. Elizabeth's that uh, has been condemned and very hard to get into. But, uh, yeah, I've definitely, you know, it's if you've never been to Hannibal, just come to Hannibal and enjoy it. You mentioned Molly Brown. She has her own house. Her That's house right. is here. That's right. Uh, so you can definitely check out the house, Mark Twain's boyhood home, and uh, the Mark Twain Riverboat. Take a ride on the Mississippi. I mean, there's just a lot of cool things. If you've never done it, I'd definitely come to yeah. Hannibal check and, out. And if you're a Walt Disney fan like I am, I've been stopped about multiple times. I mean, Marceline is not as far from here, but still Marceline was – Disney's um, hometown he grew up in. And I've been stopped a couple times because he was a huge fan of Mark Twain, and he built Tom Sawyer's Island inside the Magic Kingdom on both Disneyland and Disney World. And so to actually see the the actual, what they tried to represent in, in uh, the Magic Kingdom is, is awe-inspiring to me. It's like, wow, he really captured the river, and he captured the steamboat and the little raft going over Tom Sawyer's Island. So... Uh, bravo, Walt Disney. But at the same time, like this is the real experience. This is where it all happened. And when you see Murphy's Cave and when you see Injun Joe's tombstone, it like brings everything to the Becky Thatcher Diner where we ate yesterday, which has been there forever. Yep. I mean, they were talking about this in the book in, in the 1960s and 40s and stuff like that. So definitely have always had this bite of tourism. And right now, <laughs> this barbecue festival brought in a lot of people because there was Clint Black. There was a bunch of country stars here and they did a huge barbecue cook-off. And it was great for us because a lot of the big stuff, the big attractions were kind of like low. And so we were able to walk around Main Street without being completely crowded in. And we were able to talk to Ken Marks over at the History Museum, which is a huge inspiration. He's got something fun coming up in five weeks. He's got the Steampunk Festival. That's becoming really big here in Hannibal. Yeah, and he has... I mean, he always, he told me he's always like a little bit short-sighted and always thinks that it's not going to sell out, but 
you know, as a person that puts on events, you'd be surprised those last minute people that just want to be a part of something. So the steampunk festival is coming to, um, to Hannibal Labor Day weekend. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually in Salem, Massachusetts Mm. looking for witches, but you know, we're going to do another, um, target and then my friend that's actually taking me doesn't know about all that she's <laughs> like i hope this is not like a paranormal thing right no we're just in salem just to be in salem we're gonna be eating lobster rolls I heard the weather's really nice in salem right? salem is always amazing <laughs> last time we were there i think it was june there's never been you know murdering at the stake no. in, in salem actually it's really funny though like salem is actually um, my, my buddy uh, Nat was telling me this Nasty Nat He was telling me He grew up in Boston He's like Salem is definitely The, the attraction It's beautiful He loves it But that's not the town Where the most Killings happen with witches It's the town over They killed about 70 witches So Salem just took the credit Salem took the credit Huh The crucible Is that a tourism thing? Um, it is a very touristy town But I don't get that feeling Like I would move to Salem It's really Everybody gets behind it. The cops are super fucking cool. They're the funniest cops I've ever met in my life. On their police vehicles, they have pentagrams instead of sheriff stars. (laughs) It's just so fucking cool. (laughs) And, like, everybody gets behind it. And I'm socially liberal. So is Jeremy. We're not politically liberal, not all. But socially, we're very liberal. And so when you go there, what I loved is, like, they have transgender flags. They have – and it's by their state flag and everything – but also they have the rainbow flag and they have the transgender flag and they really support. And Salem vi- kind of messed up a few years ago, yeah. though. So I can get that. They're they're trying to make up for their you know transgressions. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. I mean, it came from that whole like, yeah, we're gonna kill you if you look the yeah. wrong way. But yeah. now it's more of it, it's really this one eighty of what it is. Hello, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we got some fun shows coming up, and for the next. I want to thank uh, Chris Ketters for sitting down with us at Graveyard Shift in Hannibal, Missouri. Um, check out our podcast. It's coming out in October. It's called The Lost Boys of Hannibal. You can go there by lostboysofhannibal.com. You can check out all the information that we have thus far. And we'll be doing a series of interviews. And it's a very different format. It's not the funny Graveyard Shift where we curse all the time. It's a very serious podcast because there are people that are still mourning the loss of their friends and their family members. And so we want to treat it with the utmost care. If you know anything about the Hannibal the Lost Boys of Hannibal, and you're listening to this show, please feel free to give us an email at info at lostboysofhannibal.com, and we will get that information on the podcast. But if it's big enough information, we will get it to the Rawls County Sheriff's Department and the Hannibal Police Department because the investigation is still going on, and we're just giving them support as much as we can. We're not trying to involve ourselves in the investigation, but if we do come across stuff, it's nice to have other minds thinking about it, especially creative minds like me and Chris who have been around the world of paranormal but also true crime and we think a little bit differently. We, we, we open up different things. And so if you're a fan of the show, subscribe. Like us on Facebook. We're at, we're at about 68 likes on Facebook. That, that's weird because we have so many downloads. So if you guys don't know that Graveyard Shift is on Facebook, we are. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to be a, if you want to be a participant on the show, if you want to sit next to Jeremy and smell him, I recommend it. You recommend it? I do. Okay. It's, it's a fun experience. Uh, <laughs> to smell his flatulence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have been friends since 2013, which is crazy how much time has gone by since I moved here. He's my first friend in Missouri, a real first best friend, and he, he's, he's one of my, my favorite people. I don't even consider him friend. I consider him more family. And we kind of look like brothers because we have the same dude. We, we vowed not to cut our hair until the Elsa uh, movie is finally out and then we'll probably grow it a little longer for um for kids 
we're going to cut our hair and give them oh, to... Oh, good idea. Yeah. So we're going to find the right organization. I don't want to mention the other organization because I heard that they actually charge the families. Mm. The big one charges families for the hair. And there's another organization out there. So we're going to be giving our hair to the kids um, just for Elsa and Elsa's name. And hopefully we can raise that. Couple other, uh, a couple more announcements. Me and Jeremy will be at the KC Paracon. So come visit us at our booth. We have koozies, we have stickers, and we have kitchen magnets, all graveyard shift. All you got to do is like us on Facebook. Show that you like us on Facebook and receive any one of those fun gifts. So come visit us at the KC Paracon. Um, that's not next weekend. That's the following weekend that falls on the 8th and 9th of August. And we will be in Greenbrier, West Virginia, next week to... Um, I wish, and Chris might come, actually. <laughs> I'm trying to convince, I've rented a six-bedroom mansion, and we have plenty of room. I'm trying to get Chris to come up with us. I think it'll be a hell of an experience yeah. um, to be around the Greenbrier ghost, which is my favorite ghost story in West Virginia. We're going to tell you all about that on that show, but from all of us at Graveyard Shift, thanks for listening. Thanks for being fans. If you have any questions, comments, please email us. Um, if they're derogatory, go fuck yourself. Um, you know how we are. You probably won't respond. We actually probably will respond with a dick pic. But other than that, welcome back to Graveyard Shift. <laughs> and we'll be seeing you. Thanks, Chris, for everything. Yeah, thank you very much. And we'll, we'll hear you again on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure. All right.